Thank you so much, Michalini, and thank you, worship team. It is always good to come into the presence of God. Now, church, why do I always say that? Because it is so true. I know we are in uncertain times. I know that times like this is very uh, unsure sometimes. But that's why it's important that we will find the presence of God because that is where we can find peace for our hearts, peace for our minds, and just get a glimpse of what God has in store for each and every one of us. Amen. So, Judge, thank you so much for tuning in. It is so good to see each and every one of you. Thank you again for letting me come into your homes to bring the Word of God this morning. And I will preach a new sermon series. Yes, the other one we have been talking about has been going on for quite some time. So I thought it's time for a new sermon series. So I'm starting to talk about the big butts of the Bible. Yes, the big butts of the Bible. You know what? Just last Tuesday, when we had our Merdeka celebration, before everything started, Auntie Betty was there quite early. And so she asked me, Pastor Stefan, last time you talked about the God of our eternity. So what is next? What are you going to preach next? And I said to her, you know what? I have something in mind, but I have to check with Joanna if it's appropriate. So, <laughs> so you uh, just make up your mind yourself if this title of the sermon series is appropriate or not. But if you have any complaints, turn to teacher Joanna and complain to her, okay? So we're talking about the big butts of the Bible. Don't worry, it's only with one T, B-U-T, not the double T, okay? If you're anything like me, then you would have probably thought about this. Yeah. Has your girlfriend got the butt? Hell yeah. So shake it. Shake it. Shake it. Shake it. Shake that nasty butt. Baby got back. One more time from the top. But that is not what we are talking about, right? We are talking about the B-U-T. And if you go into the dictionary, or if you Google it, because it's so much easier, right? If you go and see what but is actually in the grammatical sense, but is a conjunction and it contrasts two, uh, contrasting two different ideas or it even says two opposing ideas. But is used to introduce a phrase or a clause contrasting what has already been mentioned. See, in a nutshell, it basically is you have two different or very opposing contrasting ideas. So you mentioned that one and then you said, but, and then you say what is contrasting to what you just said before. And I believe that is very important for us to consider because I believe very often we come face to face with the destiny and purpose of God. But then we have an excuse why not to step into it. We come very often, very close to really fulfilling the purpose that God has for our life. But then we are thinking, but what if my friends start to think this? Or what if they start to make fun of me? Or what will they think? And then we are bringing that but in. And then we are talking us out of stepping into what God really has. You know what? It's easy to read the Bible and to see, you know what? I believe that God will provide all my needs, but can he do it for my life? Yes, I believe God has a plan and a future for each and every one of us, but can he do it even here in COVID-19 right now? 
I know that God is an awesome God and he wants to draw near to each and every one of us. James 4 verse 8. But will God actually do it even though I just messed up yesterday? Oh, I know God will be there and he will help me to live a good life. But will he really do it today? You know what? So we have all these things that we know that we have heard of over the years. If you have been a Christian for some time, you have been hearing all these messages over the time. And then you think, yes, God can do it. Just think about last week. Everything that has been stolen, God will return it and will restore it. Everything restored by Jonathan. If you have missed it, go back on YouTube and watch it. It's awesome. See, we, we are hearing that and then we say, yes, God will restore. But, and then we come up with something that explains why God might not do it in our life. And I want you to come to a point where we say, you know what? I will not care about my buts. Again, B-U-T. I'm not caring about any but, but I want to uh, experience what God really has for my life. And today we're going to go into a portion of scripture that if you have been in church for a while is probably very similar or familiar to you. But I want you to know that there are things that we can learn that can really benefit our life. So let's just go to Numbers 13 verses 27 through 33. They gave Moses this account. We went into the land in which you sent us. And it does flow with milk and honey. Here is its fruit. But the people who live there are powerful. And the cities are fortified and very large. We even saw descendants of Anak there. The Amalekites live in the Negev. The Hittites, Jebusites and Amorites live in the hill country. And the Canaanites live near the sea and along the Jordan. Then Caleb silenced the people before Moses and said, We should go up and take possession of the land, for we can certainly do it. But the man who had gone up with him said, We can't attack those people. They are stronger than we are. And there spread among the Israelites a bad report about the land they had explored. They said, The land we explore devours those living in it. All the people we saw there were of great size. We saw the Nephilians there. The descendants of Anak come from Nephilim. We seemed like grasshoppers in their eyes. And we looked the same to them. So here we are where Moses just led the people out of Egypt through the wilderness, through the Red Sea, destroying Pharaoh's army. And now they are in front of the promised land. And so Moses sent in 12 spies to spy out the land, to come up with a tactic how they could go in and take the land. So now when the spies returned, that is what we just read. So the 12 spies returned, 10 said, you know what? It is an awesome land. It does flow with milk and honey. So look at the size of the grapes that we found. It is an awesome country, but... The people are strong. The cities are fortified. They have even giants in the land. There is no way that we can take the land. Of course, we know that Caleb and Joshua were the only one who said, you know what? It is a fortified country. It is strong enemies there. 
but we can take them. See, that shows the but a little bit different. But we have to understand that they came face to face with their destiny. I mean, after all, God said to them, I will lead you into this promised land. And now they are right in front of the promised land. And now they are face to face and they have to make a decision. Do we step into our promise? Do we step into our destiny? Or do we go back into the wilderness? So I believe that very often we come in our life to situations like that. Now, maybe it might not be so extrubent like here in the Bible, but I believe in certain things in our life, we come to, uh, to, 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 to a place where we have to make decisions if we're going to step into what God has for us or if we continue in what, all, in what we have been doing all along. And I want you to know that this is what we can learn from the story. The very first thing is, is that we have to see that everything comes at a cost. So we have to choose the cost. We have to choose the cost. Now let's see what it says in verse 28. But the people who live there are powerful and the cities are fortified and very large. We even saw descendants of Anak there. See, everything in life comes at a cost. There's even the saying, nothing in life is free except death. And even that costs you your life. True, isn't it? Nothing in life is free. And we have to see that there is a cost for everything. Now, for the Israelites, they had to think about what is the cost that I am willing to pay? Because if you think about it, they came from Egypt. More than 400 years of slavery. So they had to pay the cost of slavery when they were in Egypt. Now they come to the promised land and if they want to go into the promised land, they would have to pay the cost of going in and fighting for the promised land. So either way, no matter what they would do, it comes with the cost. Either way, go in and fight and take what God has promised you or even go back into the wilderness. But then you have to pay the cost of being wanderers in the wilderness, nomads moving around the desert for 40 years, which we, of course, know that is what happened in the end. But see, everything comes with a cost. And I want you to know that everything in our life also comes at a cost. But we have to make a decision. What is the cost? What is the price that I am willing to pay? Just think about that. There is the cost of working in your job in excellence. It comes with a cost. You have to be there on time. You have to put in your time and your effort. You have to give it your best. There is a cost involved. But on the other hand, there might be the cost of losing your job. If you're always late, never do your work, always have an excuse it won't be long before your boss says, okay, bye-bye, we look for somebody else. So there's the cost of working in excellence or there's the cost of losing your job. I want you to know, all the young people, there is a cost of living in purity and holiness for God. Even when we talk about sexuality. But you see, the thing is, there is a cost in keeping yourself pure. But on the other hand, there is a cost of regret. Oh, maybe I shouldn't have done that. Oh, I shouldn't have given uh, so much away of myself. 
Now I come to my real spouse that I'm going to marry and I gave so much away before. Now I have not so much left to give anymore. You come with baggage of your past. See, there's the cost of staying pure and then there's the cost of regret. Or maybe there's the cost of doing the right thing. But there, on the other hand, there is the cost of Regret again. There's the cost of whatever comes on the other hand. Nothing is free. Everything comes at a cost. So the Israelites had to make up their mind what is the price that they are willing to pay. And sadly, they said, you know what? We are not going to go into the promised land. It is impossible. But I want you to know, no matter how hard it seems right now in your life, I want you to know that with God in the picture, it is possible. See, when I was in America, I just finished my Bible school and I was still owing a lot of money for my tuition fees. So I went back to Germany to work to pay my tuition fees so that I could graduate. Now, why was I so motivated? Because I wanted to get married to Joanna. But I only could do that after graduating, then of course make enough money for the wedding and then I would come over here to Malaysia and we would finally get married. So I went back to Germany to work. Now I could have said, God, I believe that you will provide my every need. Come on. God, I believe that you can do a miracle. Oh God, you can open up the heavens and give me what I need. I said, you know what? I'm going to do whatever I can to make it happen. So I went and I got a job and I worked every shift that I could get my hands on. I even worked the graveyard shift. Graveyard shift in Germany in that electronic company was from 10 p.m. to 6 a.m. through the night. And of course, if you have ever worked the time about three or four o'clock in the morning, that is when it really hits you. You're so tired. You just want to sleep, but you have to work, right? So, but the thing is, I said, God, I believe you will provide. But then I put my hands to work. I said, I will do whatever I can to make this happen. And I believe that is what God can bless when we say, God, there is a cost involved. There is a cost involved in bringing my children upright. But I am willing to pay it. What is the cost? Being a good example. Come on, there is a price for everything in our life. But are we willing to pay it? But the good news is, is that God is there with us. That the Holy Spirit wants to help us to live out that good life so that we can pay that price and reap the benefits of living a godly life. Well, the second thing that we can really learn from this story is that we have to choose the voice that we listen to. Choose your voice. Verse 30, then Caleb silenced the people before Moses and said, we should go up and take possession of the land for we can surely or certainly do it. Like I said earlier, Moses sent 12 spies in, 10 said, it is an awesome country, but we cannot take it. But Joshua and Caleb, only two, said, you know what? It is a fortified country. The people are strong, but we can do it. See, now the people had to choose who are we listening to? Do we listen to the 10 people who said it is impossible? Or do we listen to the two people who said, you know what? With God, anything, everything is possible. And I want you to know that we have to 
that we have to determine in our life. Remember what I talked about last time I preached, that we have to determine what is the, uh, the dominating influence or dominating voice in our life. And that will determine what we are going to do. Whatever we listen to will determine how we think. And what we think will determine the actions that we take. And the actions that we take will determine our destiny or purpose or what we are walking out in our life. So the people here had to come to a place and decide who they're going to believe, who they would listen to. Do we listen to two guys or to the other ten? See, the thing is, all twelve spies went into the same country. All 12 spies were confronted with the same people living in that country. All 12 spies were confronted with everything that they saw. They saw the same thing, but they came to different conclusions. Ten of them came to the conclusion, it is awesome, but we cannot do it. Two came to the conclusion, we can do it because God is on our side. So I want you to really consider again in your life, what is the voice that you are listening to right now, right here in your life? Is it to all the negativity around you? Is it about hopelessness and that everything looks so dark and that the economy is going down the train because the, the MCO is still in place? Are you listening to the voices which are saying, oh, maybe you will lose your job, where you're saying, you know what, it will take decades for the country to recover from this entire situation? Are we listening to all the negative things that we are confronted with on a daily basis? Or do we decide to listen to the voice of God? Where God says, you know what, I have plans for you, but plans to prosper you to give you a hope and give you a future where God says that I will provide your every need, that we do not have to worry, that where God says, you know, all your sickness I have carried at a cross, by my stripes you are healed, where God says that he is interested in us and that he walks with us every step of the way in our life. See, I determined that I will listen to the voice of God. And I want to challenge you this morning, church, that you will come to the same conclusion and say, God, I'm not listening to what's going on around me. I am choosing to listen to what you are saying. I am choosing to listen to the word of God, what you are proclaiming over my life. I proclaim it. I believe it. I, I go for it because I believe that God has an awesome plan for each and every one of us. And we can experience that if we make up our mind and say, you know what, I am listening to God. I am listening to the Holy Spirit who is speaking to me, tucking my heart, pulling me into the promised land. Not listening to fear, not listening to negativity. But this morning I make a decision, a conscious decision to follow what God has spoken over my life and not listen to anything else but that. You know what, just a few weeks back, uh, some of my old friends from elementary and secondary school opened a WhatsApp group and added me into it. Now, the occasion was a bit sad because one of my old friends passed on. 
And so they, they made this WhatsApp group. They added all the people that they could find back into it. So it was a sad occasion. But now uh, we have been going on on that WhatsApp once in a while. Somebody puts a greeting in there or puts like uh, something or a birthday wish. And we are just talking about the good old times, right? And so uh, one of them said, you know what? Oh, Stefan, you are living out your dreams. And I replied and I said, you know what? Actually, I am living out my purpose. I am living out my destiny. And that's why I am living my dream. See, there's very different things if you come to a point where you say, you know what? It's not so much my dreams. It's not so much my ambition anymore. But I want to do what God wants me to do. And I want you to know, if you do that, you will never feel shorthanded. I don't even know if that is an expression that you have in English, but if we say that in Germany, it means basically you will not feel cheated. You will not feel that you come out short. You will always feel fulfilled knowing that your life matters, knowing that you are doing what God wants you to do. And that is the most fulfilling thing that you could ever do, walking out your destiny and the purpose that you have for your life. So I want to encourage you to really go to God and say, God, what is my purpose in life? What do you have for me that I could do so that I know I'm in the center of your will? And I know that God will answer you. I know that he will speak to you. Maybe not an audibly voice from heaven, but he will put it deep inside your heart that now all of a sudden you know, okay, maybe I should be doing that. And if you hear a small whisper in your heart, talk to your spouse, talk to your family, and then see if there's anything that you can do to step out. Because once we step out, that means we are stepping into the blessings and into the purpose of God. Come on, church. It's time to get up. It's time to step in, into the promises of God, into what God has for each and every one of us. But it takes effort. It takes effort to put away the negative voices around us, to focus on what God is speaking over our life. Amen. So the third thing that we can learn from this story is that we have to choose our destiny. Choose your destiny. Verse 33. We saw the Nephilians there. We seemed like grasshoppers in our own eyes. And we looked the same to them. So the 10 spies who brought this report back came to the conclusion that they were like grasshoppers in the eyes of the enemy. Now, I want you to know, spoiler alert, if you go on in the Bible and you read, now they were wandering around the desert for 40 years. Then they finally go into the promised land. And they want to take Jericho as the first city, right? And then it says that Jericho was tightly shut because of the fear that the people had of the Israelites. Now, I want you to know, 40 years earlier, they came into the country. They came into the promised land. They saw the fortified cities. They saw the giants and they thought, we cannot do it. It is impossible. We are like grasshoppers in their eyes. And that is what they are thinking as well. See, there was a conclusion. They came up in their own mind. 
The enemy never said, hey, you look like grasshoppers to us. We can easily beat you. No, in fact, the people of the promised land were afraid of the people of Israel because they have heard of what God was doing on their behalf. So they came to a false conclusion. They were so intimidated. They were so living in fear at that moment that they came to a conclusion that was completely contrary to reality. But for them, it was so real. And that is what fear can do in our life, where we come to conclusions that doesn't even reflect reality. We can come to a conclusion and say, oh my God, God has forsaken me, where the Bible clearly says that he will never forsake us. We come to a point where we say, oh, you know what? I am all by myself now. Where in reality, if we know God, we know that he is with us every step of the way. So we can come to a point where we come up with conclusions that are actually wrong. So we have to make up our minds today, right here this morning and say, God, I am willing to step out and I am choosing my destiny. I am not choosing to live in fear, but I, I choose to live out my destiny that you have on my life. And I can guarantee you that God will be there. Now it's a process. I'm not saying that everything will be roses and butterfly in your life, right? We know there will be struggles. We know there will be hardships. But I also know there's nothing more worth it than living out the destiny that God has on our life. So I want to encourage you, don't be intimidated like the Israelites who were listening to the false reports. Because later on it says that those 10 spies, they spread a false report. Or the King James, I believe, says an evil report about the, the land to the people. See, they started to listening to the negativity. They started to listen to what they had to say. And then they were so influenced by saying, you know what, maybe, maybe it's not a good idea. I know God said there will be enemies. We have to go in. We have to take it. And he said that he will be with us. But, see, the but. The decision comes again. Where do we put our but? <laughs> oh, my goodness. Where do we put our but in our life? Do we choose to put the but? The country is awesome. The promised land is awesome. The promises of God is awesome. But can I really do it? I don't think so. Or do we choose the promises of God are awesome. And yes, it might be difficult. But with God's help, I can actually do it. We have to choose destiny. Come on, church. Long enough have we lived in the trot of life. Just living our everyday life. Not even thinking about the purpose of God. And if you haven't noticed, I'm preaching to myself a lot this morning. But it is time to say, you know what, God, I am willing to step out and I will choose my destiny this morning. Not the fear, not the negative voices, not even my sound reasoning. Come on, not even the sound reasoning of why I shouldn't be doing it. I am listening to the voice of God, to the voice of the Holy Spirit, and I am willing to step out into my destiny. And I want you to know that God will show up in your life, that he will very clearly show you what your destiny is in your life, and you will be able to walk it out in your life. Amen.
you know what? I was reminded, I told you the story before, when I was in Africa, I was working with the street orphans, the ones who have lost their parents to the civil war. And we made sure that they uh, would get clothing, that they would have enough food, that they would even go back to school and that we were basically setting them up for a better future. But then I felt a tuck in my heart. You know what? It is time for me to go to America to Bible school. And even the pastor <laughs> from my own church said, you know what? Why do you go to America? Now, he's American. Why do you go to America to Bible school? There are so many Bible schools right here in Germany. And I said, I don't really know why, but I just feel that in my heart that I have to go there to that Bible school right there because I have met Sam Matthew and Brother Philip Mohabir and James Cooper uh, at a conference in Germany before. So I knew that that is where I have to go. So now I had to come to a decision. What do I do? Do I stay in Africa and Angola and work a very good work? Work that I can see that is really changing young people's life, setting them up for a good and bright, successful future. Or do I go to Bible school? And see, that is the thing. The whole story short, uh, to make it short, is that it is not always easy to see what is the right choice. Sometimes a choice like that is like, okay, what is the right thing to do? And I'm sure that you have felt that way in your life before. What is the right thing to do? Pastor, you are telling me to step out into my destiny and I want to. But what is it? What is the right step for me to do? And all I can say is, go to God in prayer. Ah, we don't like to hear that, right? We don't like to hear that because we like clear directions, okay? Give me step one, two, three, and then I can walk in the purpose of God. No, it is going to God, being led by the Holy Spirit into your destiny. See, I cannot tell you what your destiny is. I cannot tell you what your purpose is. You have to figure that one out yourself. And the only way to really be sure that you are walking out the purpose that God has for you is go to God and hear from Him yourself. So we have to go to God and say, God, what is the right thing to do? And then listen to the small whisper in your heart. Because we expect God to speak loud, to make it very obvious. But sometimes, in my life even, most of the time, it wasn't that obvious. Coming back to the story, of course, I made a decision to go to America, to go to the Bible school. And that is where I met Joanna. Ta-da-da! And that is where my entire purpose and my entire future was shaped because of that one decision that I made. Amen. Okay, come on, church. We're going to have communion as well. But let me just pray about this message and then we go and have communion together. Father God, I thank you for this morning. I thank you for your word that came forth so strongly that we have to choose our destiny. 
and that there is a price that we have to pay and that it will not always be obvious or it will not always be easy. But this morning we decide not to listen to the negative voices around us, but we, we decide to listen to your voice, to the leading and guiding of the Holy Spirit, that we can step into our purpose, into our future that you have planned for us because we know there's no better place than to being in the center of your will. So I ask right now that you will demonstrate and make it obvious to each and every one of your children that you will show them what the plan and purpose is that you have for their life so that we will be able to take a step in faith into the unknown, into that purpose that you have shown to us in our life. And I thank you that we can expect you to be with us every step of the way. So we are looking forward to an exciting future. We, dis we, uh, we decide not to look at fear or anything that is holding us back, but we decide to step out into your promise this morning. And in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay, come on, church. Let's hold our bread and pray. Father, we thank you that we can believe and trust that by your stripes we are healed, that your body was broken so that every area of our life could be restored completely. So by holding this, Father, we remember what you have done at the cross, that everything is possible, that relationship can be restored, that sickness can be healed, that everything can be made whole because your body was broken. Thank you for what you have done for us. We expect healing and, and goodness to flow into each and every one of our lives as we partake of this bread in Jesus' name. Let's partake of the bread. Let's hold the cup. Father, we thank you for the blood that you have shed for each and every one of us. The blood that is so precious, the blood that has paid for our redemption, has paid for our salvation, that has paid for everything in our life. We have now free access into your presence because of what you have done at the cross and because the blood that you have spilled for us. By partaking this, Father, we expect your healing power and your salvation to flow not only over our lives, but into the life of our families as well that we can expect, Father, salvation to take a hold of each and everyone who doesn't know you yet. And I expect, Father, and I pray and I bless each and every family right now that your salvation, Father, will go forth and that many will be added into your kingdom, into your family, O oh God. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Let's partake of the cup. Amen, amen. Thank you so much. Guys, be blessed. Have an awesome week. And before I dismiss you, of course, I want to pray over you the blessing. So let's just rise to our feet. Come on. Let's rise to our feet. Even lift your hands. Come on, lift your hands. I know you're at home. It's a bit weird. Lift your hands and I proclaim the blessing of God over your life. Now may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord cause His face to shine upon you. May He be gracious unto you. May He lift up His countenance upon you and give you peace in all your homes. And in Jesus' name we pray. 
Amen. Amen. Thank you so much, guys, that you have tuned in for our Sunday service. You guys have an awesome week ahead. Be blessed. Stay in touch with one another because that is what church is all about. And I will see you on Tuesday night for our Bible study. You guys have an awesome week ahead. Be blessed. I love you guys. I am proud of each and every one of you. So have an awesome week. I see you. Bye-bye.